1: it's the my first gig podcast whoa sharing Hello and welcome to another edition of the My First Gig podcast. My name is Dwayne Dugan and here we are. Welcome one, welcome all. Come on in, sit down. Thank you for joining me today. Delighted to welcome the wonderful Stuart Goldsmith to the show. Obviously, if you're a comedy fan listening to a comedy podcast, you'll know exactly who Stuart Goldsmith is. Host of the Comedians Comedian Podcast. But here in this episode, he swaps the host mic for the guest mic could probably just have used the same mics to be honest us don't want to let you in behind the curtain of what it's like to be a world famous podcaster but look, yeah whether i'm the host or not i can use either mic that's just that's the talent that i have and one that Stuart possesses also interestingly enough about this podcast this was the very first in the my first gig series so a little history here i just wanted to do a podcast for a while I thought every comedian in the world has their own podcast. Why not get my own? And I was sitting down with some great guests, recorded several podcasts, but they were just, I, you know, as I think I said in previous episodes, I was just kind of boring myself. I didn't really enjoy it too much with the bog standard questions. So when it came time to record with Stuart, I came up with the my first gig concept. Listening back to edit, I was worried that it wouldn't sound anything like the rest of the podcast. That it'd be completely out of sync. That you know, I'd finally found my groove in later episodes but it turns out the exact same questions i used in my most recent interview i also used in this now i'm not sure if that means that i hit the ground running or if i've been absolutely just numb since and haven't added a single new question or developed it at all i guess the one positive is when i do ask him his first memory of comedy i don't do that little thing that i say now going (laughs) you can interpret it any way you like Uh, which i hate if you haven't noticed Hate it with me now. But this was great. This was recorded in Whelan's a couple of years back. Whelan's in Dublin. Shoot was over performing his Edinburgh Fringe sold out show compared to what? But before I give you the episode, what's going on guys? I'm actually recording this in the daytime for once. It's nice. I'm looking outside being like, oh wow, that's what the sky looks like. It's a nice clear day here in Dublin. We had snow yesterday, which was a bit mental because I'm recording this in I'm looking at my laptop now to see what date it is. I'm not sure if it's April or February. It's only February. That's not that bad. I've been telling people it's mad to have snow in April. That just sounds like a general comment overall and not an actual evaluation of what's going on in the world at the minute. I had a strange realization the other day. I don't want to bring the tone of the podcast down, but I was on a bus listening to music, had my headphones in, had them up real loud, and look basically i let out a fart right and i was like happy days that's out of me now what a banging tune and i just saw like the bus wasn't that packed i was kind of down the back and i saw a man up ahead of me kind of look over and look back at me and i was like how did he hear that i've got my headphones in and then realized that while my music would be delivered to my headphones any sounds coming out of my body would not And it took that man looking at me to realise, oh wait, I've clearly been doing this for years. (laughs) And like, anytime I'm on a bus, I guess I just assumed it all goes through my headphones. So if you're ever on a bus and you just hear someone let it rip, just not caring for anybody around them and you look around and see them and they're just there, big smile on their face, minding their own business, just being like, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. I said hey what's going on? Then that's me. You may have noticed that this little interaction was just a subtle ploy to get my singing demo out there. Voice of an angel. Arse of a rhinoceros. That's me. There's a there's a footpath so out in front of my house there's like just a big green but there's one footpath that separates the middle of the, the green and I'll be honest with you. I'm a bit worried now. I'm no longer kind of interested in the podcast. There's seagulls all around the place, right? And they're in, they're all over the place. But there's just one seagull walking right down the middle of the footpath. And it's a bendy footpath too. And he's actually just following it. I don't know if that's common, but nobody else is doing it. And it's just him. And it feels like he's he means business. And he's coming for something. I'm expecting him to kick down the door any second now. So if you hear... A bit of commotion. Blameless eagles. I was I was chatting to a friend the other day. And this will be an Irish thing, I thought. But maybe there's equivalence elsewhere. When I was a kid, there was this old man who used to come into our estate in a van that played music. Not too dissimilar to an ice cream van. Except this was called the Good News Caravan. And it was a man... Driving a caravan, which had a door on it, and inside rather than your usual caravan kind of equipment, it was just benches and He would invite you into the caravan, providing you were i think under the age of sixteen, sit you down and talk to you about Jesus, and he'd lock the doors, and we're all like there at like twelve years old. We don't want to learn about Jesus, so we're just making fun of him, not making fun of him like and his beliefs or anything, but just the man was clearly mental and if we spoke out what he would do is he would take out this massive camera and take photos of you and wouldn't let you out and only in telling this to a friend i kind of was like hold on a second (laughs) something's not right here that doesn't sound normal and i went googling this and there's no official record of the good news caravan but there is a lot of forums especially forums based in Cork in Ireland of people just being like, hold on, who remembers this? That wasn't okay. And his van was like in bits as well. Like it was covered in, it looked like it had been attacked a few times, which that also makes me suspicious. You know, you wouldn't go around just attacking a priest's car. Is this my subconscious? Did I fall asleep one day, and then join a forum under a load of different aliases and post this just to convince me that I'm not going mad? Did you read things similar to that? What's the weirdest thing that used to come to your town? That's a broad enough question. Let me know. Now I'm not just gonna keep telling you things that I realized because we'll be here for a long time. I'm not a very smart man. We'll keep this going. We'll go. We'll go listen to a podcast now. Do you want to listen to a podcast? Yeah, let's listen to a podcast. Right, I'll see you guys on the other side, but for now, sit back, relax, and listen to My First Kick with Stuart Goldsmith. I suppose at one point, they thought a
0: on was a posh bread, bread roll, didn't they? So, it's all just... My friend Pete's got a very funny observation about um, the fact that whatever new technology turns up, the first people to use it, everyone thinks they're twats, and then five years later, everyone's it. Do you remember... You're too young to remember when mobile phones first happened jesus that's painful um but yeah when everyone had mobile phones i was like oh my god as if you need a phone in your pocket you i just remember case.
1: wanting one i was never allowed one yeah and then i got one my dad's company was sponsored by a new phone provider here that weren't active for 18 months after i got the phone so i had a uh-huh. phone just for snake for a year and a no half. way yeah. did you get good at snake i probably didn't so i can't really remember so pro- i guess that means no <laughs> We're here in Whelan's. Stuart, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Dublin. Thank you for having me in such
0: wonderfully red leather surroundings, just <laughs> to paint a picture for the listener. I mean, it's, some of it is uh, red and some of it is oxblood. I was told off for not knowing the colour oxblood. That's that one over there is oxblood, that dark red, but this is just red. I'm learning new things now. Panashocolas and oxblood. <laughs> yeah, I hope the pana chocolat stuff's not staying in. his <laughs> <laughs> we'll great pana at the airport routine. Uh where have you come from? Uh, I've come from doing a weekend at the Glasgow stand. Oh, great, how did that go? Really good fun, because I'm because I'm touring at the moment doing my own show and it's only my second tour, I'm it's I'm feel reinvigorated by Having a new thing to do that isn't simply going out and doing circuit gigs. Sure. So I'm back at the Glasgow stand in a couple of weeks in order to do my tour show. So that gave that put like more meaning behind me being there. I was like, I've got to win these people over, and after my set, I want to go out and fly the hell out so of them and do the like, hustle yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And there is a there is a, a large part of my personality that is sort of almost like a, an illegal street trader knocking out DVDs out the back of a, a suitcase or something. So uh, it, I'm I'm always excited by the idea of you know, I want to smash the gig and when I'm on stage, I want to mention the show and afterwards I want to go around flyering people and that's that's like a fun way to do gigs. is your first time bringing a show to Dublin, is it? Yes, it is. I've performed here before. I've done the International. I've done the Laughter Lounge several times, uh, several weekends. I love it. I really, I've got lots of very fond memories of Dublin. Um, I think, for me, Dublin is is really foreign and really exciting. Like, because, because I sort of speak the language or one of them. I uh I don't feel like an alien here but everything in it it just seems to be like everything everything in this town is an ox blood sofa with incredible history that someone died on or someone do you know what I mean or there's a bit of Oscar Wilde somewhere or there's some public art i haven't seen or a a pub that was mentioned in a sandman comic i read 20 years ago so i just,
1: i love it absolutely love it well this pub of that was featured in the movie yes i love you i don't know if that's, you're I a fan have of that i've not seen that one i i haven't either no but that's that's how we said it is that people. the one that's not the no that because
0: it's set in paris i was thinking of to from from Paris with love. Do you know that one? John Travolta and Jonathan Rhys Meyers. I, I don't. I haven't even seen the movie, but it contains the world's best tagline, which is there. It's like terrorism in Paris, right? And it says, two agents, one city, no mercy." <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that's incredible. There's no. I'm never going to see the film because there's no way the film could live up to that unbelievable tagline.
1: That's not bad. Do you have, do you have a tagline for your show tonight, um, or what would it be?
0: That's a good. That's a good question. It's called compared to what? yeah i don't i've i mean it will i will now fall flat if i try to come up with a, a quickie one um it's basically it's about compromise and about com- compromising in order to be happy so some sort of tortured pun on uh i'll compromise you the world yeah you can't do that can you <laughs> com com i don't know comedy compromise communism i don't know i'm I'm not, that was not great and your sound man is getting up and walking away <laughs> that's how well that went
1: <laughs> you brought the show to the fringe last year so this is at this stage i guess so you're doing previews and stuff i'm guessing maybe a year ago sometime closer yes than that. obviously then the full fringe run and now revisiting it for the tour yes how, how would a show like this be different revisiting it like months later
0: well mostly i because because all of my stuff is very autobiographical, so this show, the, like the, the plot of this show is I get engaged and I have a baby and consequently I'm forced, forced to move away from the city that I love and forced to live in the countryside. And uh, yeah, forced in inverted commas on both <laughs> occasions. No, on one of those two occasions. Um, so, so the events happened longer ago. So that's quite a weird aspect of it. I'm yeah. kind of revisiting stuff. So what I do is I do the hour in the first half of the show. Most venues I've got an interval now in this on this tour. So I'll do rather than I think the, the common thing is that most comics will do 40 minutes of crowd work and new stuff, then an interval, then the show. I'm doing it the other way around because my new stuff is all about chronologically. The next stuff is about having a one year old. You know, so I can't do it first. So, um, but I've actually turned that into something quite positive, uh, which is that I do the show. That's the hour, bang. Then there's an interval, and then I do – and I sort of prime people pre-interview. I go, there you go. You've had the show. If you, if you want to come back, and giving them the power lets them all decide to come back. So if you want to come back, it's um it's going to be a load of wonky new stuff off notes, which I workshop. I do the stuff, and then I talk about the stuff and sort of uh, involve the audience about it, and then a and a about my own podcast and, you know, if, if there's
1: enough pod fans there to make that worthwhile. Let's go right back to the start. Do you have – what would your first memory of comedy be, if you know – well, I remember
0: very, str- and weirdly, I've heard someone else say this. I don't think I've stolen their memory. I think it's I think it is actually, this was also my memory. The first joke I remember hearing in the playground was, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't swear. Oh, bollocks, I've left my fags in the pub, right? I it know it's just, a, it's a perfect little schoolyard joke, you know. So I remember thinking that was really funny. I don't know if I attributed any significance to that moment. When comedy was first a thing that I noticed in my life, was Lenny Henry, uh who I used to watch on TV and I hated school and I'd go in the next day and like the only good bit about my school day would be repeating the sketches that I'd seen last night on the TV where I, a small white bloke from Leamington Spa, would attempt to reprise the voices, accents and sketches of Lenny Henry's incredible, you know, <laughs> these amazing different, uh, uh, are you familiar with Lenny Henry? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, well, you didn't know Panashock so I was like, come on, man. <laughs> uh yeah, that I remember repeating those sketches for the for the enjoyment of my friends. And I definitely remember there it wasn't any Henry, but there was another show that I saw that I didn't think was that funny, but I went in and did the sketches anyway. Or I like no, I think actually I liked it. And I went in and repeated all the sketches as much as I could remember. And there were my friends, there was a, a guy called Richard who said that he had watched that and hadn't enjoyed it the previous night and then he thought it was funnier when I did it. And I definitely remember me thinking, Oh, like I'm I'm quite good at this somehow.
1: Yeah, you said there you, you would repeat them for the enjoyment of your friends, but I'm guessing you enjoyed, I guess, getting the reactions and, and the laughs in the yeah. even in the playground. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: yeah, not it's really difficult. My memory of school is not great. Um I definitely also at the weekends I used to do like a young people's drama group thing from the age okay. of about eleven. And I was definitely a sort of a... I was definitely a, a... Like, one of the funny kids in the class. Not like the class clown. But one of the... That sounds a terrible thing to say about yourself, doesn't it? I think I was quite funny. Yeah. Um, But I would mostly be funny by... Uh, I don't know what I was going to say there. I would uh, I don't remember being a great creatively funny person. Like, I wouldn't come in and do a funny sketch that was original. I was sort of... I'd, I'd make fun of things people had just said. Sure, yeah. Not in a bullying way, but in a kind of a, you know, that was, I was better in a kind of chatting.
1: No, no, I get, I get that. Yeah, it don't make sense.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So at what point did you start discovering, I guess, live comedy? Was it before you performed, or started performing or was it whilst performing?
0: Well, because I came into comedy having been a street performer, so I discovered... And One of the weird things about doing street shows is that most people do street shows because they've seen someone else do a street show. Whereas me and my mate Noel did a double act and we just sort of invented it. We were like, we learnt the secret of how to walk on broken glass. I could fire Juggle, he could fire Breathe. We're age 16, and we went. Let's just—if we did this in the street, we could do it, and then people might give us money. So we sort of invented the concept for ourselves. Sure. So we went out and um, and did a bunch of those things, and uh, and then I ended up after I went to circus school for a year, and then I would go to the Edinburgh Festival and do street shows up there with my mate. And whilst I was at Edinburgh, I remember seeing a show. And if anyone listens to this and knows or recognise anyone to do with this, I haven't been able to find anything about it on Google. But there was a show called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in a Fish Tank. And I must have seen that in 1990. God knows, what would I have been? I'd have been 16. So I'd have been, yeah, like 93, 94, something like that was my first Edinburgh. And I remember just watching two idiots in the back room of a pub doing a crazy sketch show and just thinking... This, these are like I'm in the room with them. Do you know what I mean? Where it was more like on telly or Monty Python or whatever. This was like you just you just get up and do it. This is amazing. So that really made me laugh. And then and I remember because I've just been speaking to Harry Hill. I've just been emailing Harry Hill, who uh, isn't going to be on the podcast, but turned down turned me down in a very very polite way. And I remembered whilst emailing back and forth with him that I had gone up to him that year in the courtyard of the Pleasance Theatre in Edinburgh and said, it was such a lovely thing. I said to him, he was chatting to Tim Vine, and I said, oh, hello, Harry, I'm a really big fan of yours. And I was like 16 years old and all starstruck. And he signed an autograph for me saying, dear Stu, glad to finally meet you, Harry. Which is just such a lovely, charming joke. It's a beautiful thing to do. So I must have been a fan of his at the time. So I guess I was watching whatever that kind of era was, like very early 90s. You know, I remember Newman and Badil and the Mary Whitehouse experience on telly and Leon Herring. I remember listening to Fist of Fud on the radio. So yeah, lots of that
1: kind of stuff. At what point did you transition then from being a street performer into stand-up? My my transition took place
0: <laughs> um, around, it must be about 12 years ago. I did So You Think You're Funny in 2005. And I remember being with the street performers in Covent Garden where we'd, we'd meet every morning for breakfast and we'd, we'd, we'd work out who did which show at what time you'd do like a lottery. And then we'd all go to this particular cafe around the corner. And I remember saying to a guy called paddy bramwells who was a, a street performer and a stand-up and i was like oh, god he, he's both things i always wanted to be a stand-up i was too scared i was like i think i'm gonna have to i've got to do stand-up and so he showed me a copy of timeout which is now i think it still exists but it's free or it's smaller or it doesn't have a comedy selection comedy section or all three of those things but it used to be this was in like ring for a gig there were no email email addresses in the in the gigs you'd have to ring a human and I was just, what do I do? And he said, look through here. Anything that's got acts, interested acts, colon, phone number, ring up one of those and tell him you've got five minutes. And I was like, but I haven't got five minutes. He said, no, but, but you tell them you do. And then, uh, and so I would, I would that, was, that was kind of the beginning of uh, trying to get myself booked. So who did you call? I called, well, weirdly, this has only just made me think of this. I've got a very specific gig in my mind that was my first gig but then i think i went away for a year because i got an acting job and i so i'd done one and then i can't remember which way around it was there was another one i did so i'll i'll tell you quickly the other one and then i'll go back to what i think was my proper first one the other one and i, I think it was must have been second like a year later was uh an an open mic night and i just saw oh, open mic great and i went along and it was all guitarists it was in manchester at the Thirst, thirsty scholar and it was all guitarists. And I, I still had enough kind of moxie at the time to go, oh, yeah, I'll do a bit. Yeah, And they said, how long have you got? And I went, "Uh, 15. So I <laughs> went and did 15 minutes. And it went quite well. I think that must have been my second one, but it was such a big gap. So the first one was the 99 Club which is now an unbelievable empire in London, which runs like, I don't know, eight or 13 gigs a week, something like that. This guy, James Warrenetsky, runs it. And he is—he uh, was doing a character at the time called James DeChapeau. Uh, he was comparing, it was him in a hat. and
1: uh, is that, That's just the character? That, that was the character. A- <laughs> it was him in a hat and he had a coat.
0: <laughs> and I remember he had a really brilliant joke, which I don't remember... I remember the format of it rather than the words, but it was a thing whereby he did something that kind of implicated the audience. They shouted something, and then he got a a dictaphone out of his pocket, and he'd been recording it, and then that was a payoff somehow, and then he got another dictaphone out of his other pocket, and he'd been recording that bit as well. And I remember thinking, that is a really good joke. But he, um, yeah, he was comparing. Ava Vidal was headlining. I don't remember anyone else on the bill, but it was at the Blue Posts in Kingly Street in Soho.
1: If, you, like, if you'd like, if you never written a stand-up set
0: before, what uh, how would you approach that? Good question. I must have been making notes for ages, and the advice I give everyone now when they email me on account of my podcast and say, what should I do? I'm thinking of starting. I always say to people, book yourself a gig, and it'll be months from now. It'll be three to six months from now if you're lucky. And then just try not to think about it. And then the week before, you'll go, oh, God, and you'll have to write jokes. I'm sure I did some version of that. I was yeah. booked, and I... I I remember a couple of notebooks that I had. I remember a bit or an idea for a bit. I don't remember my opening joke. I've got a very clear, I, as someone who has a very bad memory, I tend to have quite a good memory for jokes. But I remember very vividly, I remember looking down at my hand and seeing it trembling on stage because I was a f- so scared and so full of adrenaline. And I did five minutes and it went obviously well enough that I, I mean, you know, I didn't bring the house down. I maybe got one or two laughs. But at the the time, I was a a functioning street performer who was being paid to make people laugh. You know, I was doing street shows and a couple of hundred people would go and cheer and give me money. So I never thought, what is this? I can't do this. I thought, oh, I walked off thinking this is my thing. Yes, finally, I know what I am. I haven't known until now. Street performing is such a weird you know, what am I? Am I a clown? Am I a circus guy? I don't know. I'm not really neither of those things. I didn't know what I wanted. I thought I wanted to be an actor, then I was an actor, and I went, I don't want this. Um so so I remember a huge sense of relief and like, yes, finally this is my thing. Um, but it hadn't gone especially well. But I had been through a sort of 10-year or more process of be rubbish, be cheerfully rubbish at a thing, but excited about it get better at it, keep going, keep turning up, die on your ass, die on your ass, get better, crack it, then put in loads and loads of practice and then be a, a full-time professional at it. I'd been through that journey once already. So when I did a half-decent first comedy gig, I was busy thinking, right, I've just got to do 500 of these and i will be great.
1: When you came off stage, you said you'd found what your thing. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how, how was the come down that night? What did you do when you came oh, God, off stage? I can't, you, you know?
0: I can't remember. I mean, it's a long time ago. I the the main memory I have of that night is as I left, I walked down the stairs, and yeah, I didn't stay to the end of the gig, so I was probably already cocky. <laughs> um, but Ava Vidal was closing uh, a British act who I I guess is still going. I don't know if she's touring, but she's a very strong act, and. Um, as she was, I'd like, I'd heard her name because I've been pouring through all the time out. So I was like, oh, she's proper. She's headlining, you know, probably for whatever it was, 40 quid or 60 quid. You know. um, but I remember she said, was that really your first gig? I've got a lot of that because I had lots of confidence in being a street performer. Yeah. Like, a lot of people would go, was that, you're not new. I did one gig in Dan, Atkin, in Dan Atkinson's club in York. And I did like a sort of opening. It was probably the first time I ever did a 20 or something like that. And afterwards, he, I remember him walking on stage and going, well, we've all been lied to. There's no way he's new. Mm. Because I had a lot of, you know, I could, I could think on the fly and I could stagecraft and stuff like that. But I remember that very first gig, I remember passing Ava on the stairs and she said, is that your, really your first gig? And I, I'm not, I don't mean to be self-aggrandizing. I'm not like, because I was amazing. I just had some basic tools sure, that, no, that probably helped me be a paid compare sooner than most. But she, I remember her saying, is that really your first gig? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, you should stick at this. You've got a good look which I thought was ridiculous um which i you know i i don't even know a part of me like i get what she's coming from it's like damning with faint praise it's like yeah you're not funny but you know who cares <laughs> that's how it could be interpreted but um but also i don't think i have got a very useful look for comedy i think comedy is much you know i like the the greatest comics all look a bit weird don't they they look a bit Strange or or like out of place, or I, I didn't want to mention it, but uh... I, I look bland <laughs> as anything. Do you know what I mean? I just look like I I know this is I'm cannibalizing one of my own jokes here, but I look like your brother's friend. Do you know what I mean? I just look like some guy. I used to have a I used to have a VW Polo Saloon, right? It's quite a weird car, a Polo Saloon, and um, it just looked like a car, like you couldn't you couldn't describe it. It looked like the sort of car that would be in the background of uh, a a computer game do you mean like we haven't just put a sort of car shape there doesn't sure, nothing to yeah. do. and i've always felt like that's what i look like i don't think that is a good look for comedy so i don't know what she saw in that or what she meant by it but maybe she was trying to say you go girl maybe <laughs> she was trying to go good for you but in a way that didn't commit her to saying i'd been funny in case possibly thinking about it now in case i'd done that terrible open spot thing of being complimented by a comedian with a recognisable name and then putting that on all of your promo and stuff sure, you know yeah. slightly amusing Arthur Smith do you know what I mean <laughs> whatever it is good <laughs> look <laughs> yeah yeah a good look yeah she's she's sort of insulated herself against that I think
1: no that makes sense the whole having the prior experience I guess the reason we talk about first gig here is that every night here at our show in Williams we have someone doing their first gig.
0: Oh, nice! What, are there enough comics that you can do that? How often does your gig run? It's every week. It's the hardest slot to book.
1: Yes, of course.
0: It, ha- it has to be. You're you're really genuine about it. It has to
1: be their first show. Oh, someone's like, oh, I did three minutes. So I was like, doesn't no, it's not your first gig. Great, good for you. What a great idea. What we notice is, especially when trying to find these slots and actors who have like written a funny play or something like that, and then people go, that's not their first gig. I think it's because, I guess they know how to perform on a stage. Yeah. So they're only thinking about the jokes. Whereas I think someone who's never been on a stage before
0: oh, it's an insane thinks about being on a
1: stage yeah. and probably lets the jokes slip a bit.
0: I think of that in, in terms of the way people in the audience g- kind of go, oh, you're picking on me. Oh, I, don't want, I don't want to get picked on. And nine times out of ten, I think comedians are like, I didn't pick on her. I just asked her where she was from. Yeah. But that's picking on someone because from the point of view of someone who hasn't had a room full of people look at them while they're expected to speak, do you know what I mean? That's like, that, people are terrified of that. Oh, of course, yeah. So it's like, um, it's, it's almost like we're fishing with, uh, I went scuba diving once at night and uh, if you point your torch at the little, you see a little fish, you point your torch at it, a bigger fish eats it because they've learnt, the bigger fish have learnt to fish by... Torchlight. okay right, so you pointed out you know they said don't don't, don't point your torch at fish because just, you'll just get them eaten sure so i suppose it's something similar if you're in the audience it's like someone puts the spotlight <laughs> on the you and they're like fish. oh we get eaten you know I, my, my confidence gets eaten by the room
1: you mentioned that you remember one bit maybe not the bit but at least the, yes. the format or the structure yes tell that oh i don't want to it's awful
0: <laughs> i remember i think the bit was i would say um it was about sex and death. I said those are the only two subjects, They're the only two important things, aren't they? Sex and death. That's the only two things anyone cares about. It's terrible. I'm already doing it better. Just rhythm. <laughs> those are the, I'm setting it up better than I, I'm sure I did. Sex and death. Sex death. So it's sex, 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 death. That's like a life, unless you're a vampire, in which case it's sex, death, sex, or unless you're a mayfly, in which case it's sex, death. And I just did lots of versions of Sex and Death. That's that's kind of all I remember from it. And I think I had a a very early bit, which... No, I don't know if it was in that... God, it was another another kind of... I was sort of pretty sex-obsessed, as new acts often are. I think I did a bit about the British sign language for the male and female orgasm. I can't swear that was in my first ever gig, but it's certainly the first bit I remember having a closer, like a closer for an unpaid five minute spot, you know, but it was good enough to close on. it had a very reliable punchline. And then I managed to quite quickly put in two other very reliable jokes on the way, which were about the, which is terrible for a podcast because it's visual. It's uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what you will, we'll mic you and your, your sound man. I'll do it visually and you. then we'll hear whether you laugh or not. Okay. So first, this is the British sign language for the female orgasm. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. Okay, that that. That's all I wanted. That was just an actual <laughs> laugh. It's a reliable <laughs> bit. My point is two people in a non-gig situation that's kind of funny, right? The, the difference between a very a, a very sort of expressive, joyous movement that's very sensual for the female one and then the, the male one is basically you make a sort of pointy gun finger with your hand and you do a sort of a splash with the other hand coming out of it.
1: It looked like an awkward, like, 70s dance from, <laughs> a, from a guy <laughs> yeah, yeah, who doesn't yeah. want to dance at a wedding, kind of.
0: Lovely. That, well, um, there we go. That's a, that's a fresh angle. Should I ever decide <laughs> to revisit
1: that 12-year-old piece of material? You said it was a year till your second gig. You got a job in between, was it?
0: Yes, I got an acting job that was like a seven-month job in the Lake District.
1: Did you plan, I guess, going into it to do more than one? Or was it a, we'll see how this goes? Ah, good question. Um, I th- think, I the, the, the main
0: thing I remember is that I walked off and went, yes, I'm doing this. So if I hadn't planned before, I'm sure I'd have planned you after. Then, it's yeah. not like I started booking. I went, right, I'm going to book 10 gigs. I just booked one. So yeah, I suppose I must have been trying it. But in trying it, I'm sure I went, this this, this is it. yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's it. I didn't feel like I'd got the bug. I felt like I would finally revealed the bug. I felt like the bug was always there. I was, I never knew what I wanted. I never felt settled in the world. You know, I did a little bit as a street performer. I went, oh my God, there's this, this whole secret world. A bunch of guys, it's like you're on a, a permanent heist with a bunch of superheroes. Everyone's got a secret identity. Everyone's got a weird name they use on the street and they don't exist on paper. And, uh, and you can travel all over the world and you'll know someone in Tokyo and you'll know someone in Melbourne and Brisbane and whatever, you know. And, uh, and there's such a tiny, tiny little circuit. And it's all pretty magical. And from the point of view of a kid from Leamington Spa, everyone's got crazy haircuts and facial tattoos and they walk around in their costumes. In, in Covent Garden, we would call those people buscarados. You know, you see them in comedy, people who kind of walk around in their persona. Right, people so, who yeah. live their persona 24/7 you know like a young brendan burns for example okay. we can imagine that so um so at the time i i felt very much like yes i'm a street performer that's what i do but i think on some level i was like this can't last forever whereas when i did the first stand up gig i went i'm home
1: you know we mentioned the podcast you could, close to 200 guests you probably recorded more than 200 all the advice that you know you kind of heard from from the stories that they've told the advice that you've learned yourself if you can go back to that First time gig, Stuart Goldsmith, and give him some advice. What would you say to him? It's a good question. I
0: think the thing that I have most like, like a year ago, as as much as a year ago, I'd have said something like, "Just, just enjoy yourself. Just, you, you know, you're going to die one day. Just enjoy yourself. Just go. Just do this." And I think I probably was. So I don't know if that's great advice. What I would say now to alter the whole course of my stand-up, which I would never do because I have seen any short stories about time travel. But (laughs) if I decided to do that, then what I would say is, don't try to be this idea that you have of what a comedian is. Just go on stage and talk honestly about the things that upset and confuse and bewilder and anger you because what i find what i think now in retrospect at the time i was trying to contrive things that annoyed me because someone's like oh you should talk about things that annoy you i was like all right things you know eddie Izzard. i think i'd I'd heard eddie Izzard quoted saying and a job of a stand-up comedian is to tell the audience as honestly as possible what a terrible person you are which is which i think he's right if that is correctly attributed to him i think he's right but i think i misinterpreted what he meant i took it too literally So I would try to think of things that I could be annoyed by. That's that's exactly my point. I used to try, and I think a lot of people I see that do, particularly new people, you try to think of things that you can be annoyed by. And actually, what I do now is I talk about the real, actual things in my life that I can't put down, the things that I want, my, my preoccupations, the things I wander around thinking about and being annoyed by. And it's a weird focusing that I've learned. You have to sort of recognize what those are, like um. If you, it tried to explain to me how you move the fingers on your left hand. You can't explain it, right? Because you just do it. It's like if you had a tail, you'd just move your tail, right? It would just be a, a thing. And I think the, the it, you only get it from experience, but recognising what is a true thing that annoys you or a, tr- a true thing that you think something about, and what is a thing that you've contrived to think something about,
1: that comes with time. That was your first gig. That was me. Sounds good. Thanks, man. And that's another one in the books. Thank you to Stuart Goldsmith for joining me. An insanely fun chat. Stuart, just, you know, obviously he's a natural at talking in a podcast environment. So, like, even listening back to that, he'd make everything work. You know, there was an excitement for everything. There was an encouragement. And it really made for a fun conversation. Hopefully you're able to tell that. And it just shows how good Stuart is at what he does so that was technically the first my first gig podcast that i recorded hope you enjoyed it if my intro or my outro sounds a little different i've lost my recording equipment because i'm a smart boy and i'm recording it on a slightly different one but it's still kind of good i'll do a bit of editing and hopefully you won't notice and i should have just edited this out if it does sound okay but i won't because i want you to know that i put effort into this so then you go wow aren't we a lucky bunch we should really give Dwayne a bit of credit Maybe on some sort of social media device like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. How would we do that, though? You'd probably just go to Pod and give a follow, send a message. Maybe say, wow, I love listening to Stuart Goldsmith on his podcast, but holy gosh darn whiz, he was great with Dwayne today. My God, the rambles are dreadful. Maybe I should stick to doing these at night time. Now, I won't say I'm nocturnal because I'm not nocturnal, but I've always... Been a bit like, oh, I'll just work until seven o'clock in the morning and then go to sleep. So maybe my brain actually is just better at night time. Maybe doing this in the day wasn't the best idea. But hopefully you can still understand me, guys. If you've had fun, head on over to at my first gig pod and give it a follow. Give it a share. Tell people about it still early days yet some great past episodes in the can so if you haven't go back and listen to them now if I haven't bored you to death and you'd like to hear more from me then go follow me at Dwayne Dugan if you're in Dublin follow Cherry Comedy we mentioned in the podcast there that Cherry Comedy every single week hosts a brand new act in the years that followed since we recorded that that has now effectively changed but if you are a brand new comedian and you would like to give it a go and you are based in dublin or willing to travel then give me a shout you know we, we might bring it back just for you cherry comedy every single monday night at wheelins in dublin or if you're not in dublin just go to your local comedy club support the comedians that you hear on here or support the ones that you haven't yet heard and help them get to the level where we'll one day talk to them about how they got to where they were wow what does that sentence mean i don't know guys i'm gonna leave it there tune in to my first gig pod on social media to find out next week's guest before anybody else and until then love peace and chicken grease i promise i'll never say that again bye it's the my first gig podcast one